Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how's it going? Hey, Henry. It's going well. Happy holidays to everyone. Yeah, happy holidays indeed. I'm also joined by Perfirio Rangel. Perfirio, how is it going? It's going good, Henry. Happy holidays to everyone. Happy end of the year. Yes. Yeah. Today is December 22nd, 2022. And yeah, kind of crazy, but we are at the end of the year once again. And you know what that means? It's time to recap the year. The year 2022. We're going to review the year and talk a little bit about the worst and the best TV shows and movies. You can catch the Comic Sauce podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Comic Sauce Pod. Okay, so uh, just a little disclaimer. In the past, we have included comics in our year in review, but we we're thinking in the interest of time, we would leave comics out of it this time around, and perhaps we'll do a comics special episode, all comics. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Today, we're going to focus on shows and movies. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, we can start with shows, yeah, television shows. Um, there was a whole lot of TV content this year. <laughs> Too much, you might <laughs> say. Um, uh, but let's run it down. You know, I don't think we're going to get super formal today. We can kind of spitball some of our favorites and some of our least favorites. Um, maybe we'll start with the good. What were some of your favorite TV shows of the year? Uh, how about you, Perferio? You want to kick us off here? What were, some of, what were some of your favorites? Yeah, so definitely one of my favorites was Andor on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that one follows Cassie and Andor, played by Diego Luna. It's a prequel to Rogue One, and it's basically the show's about, like, him um the character like before he joined the rebellion like who he was and his early starts and just getting to know the character a little bit more outside of rogue one and what i loved loved about the show was that it existed in the star wars universe but wasn't tied in with like the star wars drama that we usually see in the films you know the whole skywalker drama Dark Vader and all this stuff and it gave just like a side storyline between the Empire and the Rebels you know something that like like in terms of like side storyline something that was done like with the Mandalorian and I just thought this film was really great because I think like we as in, in like any kind of media form we haven't seen like a close-up um in look at like that 
life between the rebels and the empire we've just seen them as like good and evil but we don't see like the complexities between the two sides and i just thought that was something the writing was just freaking phenomenal diego luna's performance is good and all the the cast and crew on that show was just like and it's so good that they even got a nomination by the golden globes next year so um it was a good good show definitely one of my faves there you go yeah andor was definitely one of my favorite shows of the year as well um i guess we should give a disclaimer for spoiler alerts um i don't think we're gonna we're gonna go too deep in on any one show or movie but um we may we might let loose uh, the occasional uh, plot spoiler etc so spoiler alert um did you get a chance to finish uh andor uh christian no i still haven't yet i've been uh, a little slower on on andor i i've seen about a couple episodes now um as you could say i'm currently watching it and i do actually really like it it does feel a lot different it feels way slower um a lot of people said that um about about it but like um even with what people have been saying about andor it's something i did like really notice that kind of even i was still a little taken aback like whoa this is a lot slower than i expected and (laughs) a lot of talking a lot of build-up a lot of world building i don't mind Mm -hmm. that it's slower i'm not saying that it's a point against it it's just i guess uh, a lot different from you know your usual the last few Disney plus Star Wars shows, Boba Fett and Kenobi, which uh, we might talk about a little more later, where they had very consistent action beats throughout. Whereas this really didn't. And but I actually really like the like the way it kind of introduced the characters and um, like I guess from what all I've seen, you know, Andor he was like he's searching for his sister and. Uh, you also get to see like the empire kind of go about their business. Mm-hmm. It feels like. Yeah. And so uh, that's something I've, I have liked it. Although I, like I said, I've been like very slow to pick it back up and like really uh, binge it, so to speak. All good. Understandable too, because like we've already been saying, there's a lot of content out there. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot to watch. Um, but yeah, I would, I would highlight the point that slow does not automatically mean bad. In fact, a lot of times slow can mean good with Andor. It's all good. I think because yes, it's a little bit slower paced than your typical star Wars fair, but in a really good way, I think, you know, if a show is slow, but it's slow because it's building a compelling story and it's developing characters properly, then slow is great, you know? Um, yeah, especially with the character development. I found myself really caring about these characters. Like, I really cared about what was going to happen. I really wanted to know. And um, it made the faster parts, the action parts of the show that much more compelling 
um, the stakes were higher. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this season. Um, definitely uh, one of my top picks for TV of the year. Um, hey, as long as we're, we're at it, maybe we'll talk about the other um, Star Wars releases a bit. Um, we got The Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Um, what do you guys think of these shows? Were either of these on your best of the year? Not really, no. I was actually... <laughs> <laughs> Boba Fett uh was actually might have been was actually like kind of in my worst seat of the of the year list. Mm-hmm. Um I actually found I guess we'll start with Boba Fett now that I've kind of dropped that. <laughs> uh so uh it was which is probably also the reason I think I've been a little slow on Andor because I think the way I kind of felt about those two series. I think with Boba Fett, it felt like kind of a it was too much of a mess. It was a little too all over the place, I think. And it felt like it feels like a lot of what you want out of Boba Fett, you kind of get from the Mandalorian, the bounties, the bounty missions, the like the ultra serious badass. Like, whereas with Boba Fett, um, it's all about him trying to become a crime lord in um, on to, in Mos Eisley, but you never really get to see him do much crime. He seems a little too good for the uh, the hardened you know, badass that we kind of see that captures Han Solo in episode five. Where And I think it you can tell the show is bad when the best episode doesn't actually feature Boba Fett, <laughs> uh, the Mandalorian. Like it, complete, like, it completely shifts into a Mandalorian show in the last two to three mm-hmm. episodes. And I think mm-hmm. when it actually gets back to Boba Fett, you kind of realize you really don't care that much about what's going on and you'd rather see what happens to mando and grogu yes yeah good call what about you yeah going, up, yeah going off what christian said yeah boba fett is definitely i feel like one on my like worst list and I, everything christian said like i just want to echo and say yeah like the best episodes were like when mandalorian um, Groku, Ashoka, Luke Skywalker was in it, and um, yeah, it was basically Boba Fett was just like Mandalorian season two and a half, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I think it was yeah the second part of the season I enjoyed more because yeah, like the first one, um, yeah, I guess like what Christian said, like you expect Boba Fett to be like kind of like this new gangster in town with Jabba the Hutt gone. And he's, like, totally trying to be, like, the this, like, um, I don't know, kind of, like, bridge between worlds, between, like, the gangster world and, like, society that it just doesn't feel, like, it, it, it just feels like an impossible task. And, yeah, it's just not believable. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. No. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, we're just starting the conversation here and we were supposed to be talking about the best shows of the year, but here we are talking about <laughs> book of Boba Fett and we're all shitting on it. 
And I'm with you guys. And man, I'll say it outright. The Book of Boba Fett is my pick for worst TV show of the year, period. I think it was garbage. And um, uh, I agree with everything you guys just mentioned. I would add too that uh, the character Boba Fett is great. I love Boba Fett from the original Star Wars trilogy. And you're kind of getting everything you don't want in this show from Boba Fett, right? So in the original trilogy, he's this badass mercenary. Um, he's very mysterious, right? He has very little screen time. Um, but when you do see him, he looks super cool. Uh, you never see his face. He's got his helmet on the whole time. He doesn't say a whole lot. And he's a man of action, right? When you do see him, he doesn't say much. And usually he's fighting, right? Um, so there was always that air of mystery, right? And I think they kind of fucked this up the way that the prequel <laughs> movies fucked up the Anakin Skywalker character, right? Because Darth Vader was like that too, right? He was this mysterious, bad-ass looking dude. Um, this man machine that you didn't know, you know, what was like hidden under that, that, that black helmet of his and his cape. Right. Um, but then, you know, you got what you didn't want out of Anakin Skywalker in the prequels. You got Anakin Skywalker as a cute little kid. Like who wants to see that? <laughs> and then you got this, you got Anakin Skywalker as the whiny ass teenager. No one wants to see that shit. <laughs> and in that exact same vein, in this show, like I want to see in the mysterious badass bounty hunter Boba Fett. I don't want to see a fat old bald dude in his underwear, but I sure as hell got a lot of that in this fucking show. And uh, yeah, no one needs to see that. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I got turned off of this show real early on. And um yeah, I don't want to say outright. It was completely terrible. Um, I thought the, the very end was was kind of fun, like that big action finale where everyone shows up and everything kind of gets tied together. I was all right. Um, but yeah, that's the bottom line. Like this is this is the show about Boba Fett that you don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I almost wish I had never seen this show because then Boba Fett would still be this, you know, mysterious <laughs> bad motherfucker character, right? So it's it's kind of unfortunate, but there you have it. All right. Um, so as long as we're at it, maybe we'll we'll talk briefly about Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, the other Star Wars series that came out this year. Uh, a lot of people were talking about this one, good and bad, I think, uh, positive and negatively. Um, what do you guys think? Any uh, quick thoughts on Obi-Wan? For, Obi for yeah, Obi-Wan, I don't know if I would put this in my worst or bad, because I totally forgot that I watched it. So that already that's not a good sign. Uh, but it wasn't bad. Like, I definitely like those action scenes, like between like Obi Wan and Dark Vader, and 
seeing kind of like Princess Leia in action because then it totally kind of tied into like the prequels and that relationship that they had. Um, but it wasn't good either. Like I was just kind of like, at, at the end of the day, I was just like, why make this series? Like what, like compared to like Andor, why they made it? Like Andor's not a big character in the Star Wars universe as compared to what Obi-Wan is. But Andor, like it had a good storyline and like um, kind of helped like explain who this character is and helped it fit within the Star Wars universe storyline. Whereas Obi-Wan, like already, like he's already like a figure in the prequels and the OG series. Um, but I feel like there was just no like uh, reason to like why this show was made like no in depth um, to the character and for me it was just it was just pretty forgettable so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because the actresses are fucking awesome I will say between Obi-Wan and Dark Vader but that's it <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat. Um, I, that I would, I'd say good and bad. It's a good way to describe it. Like, I, I think there's one scene in there that kind of encapsulates everything I feel. This was in a later episode, so this might be a bit of a spoiler. Um, I forget which episode specifically this is, but it's it might be the one before the last one where... Um, Obi-Wan and, and company are trying to get away from the Empire. They're kind of trapped. And so they get into a, a ship and they're trying to fly away. But they, they <laughs> almost make it in time. But Darth Vader shows up and just force grabs the ship in midair. And I'm thinking like, while this is going on, I'm thinking like, holy fuck, this is awesome. This is so badass. Darth Vader pulls the shit down, rips open like the doors to try to find them, and no one's inside. It's a decoy ship, and the other ship, like, and another ship flies away that we didn't see previously. And I thought that was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what what was that? You know, like it feels like it has one moment where you're like, "This is awesome," and then another where you just kind of shake your head. You know. Like it's like what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it feels like for every like awesome moment, there's like one or two like steps back, you know, that just kind of make you yeah. scratch your head. Yeah, especially like going out that scene that you're talking about, Christian. There's that one moment where I forgot her name, but the the one who holds the crazy light red lightsaber where she's like hesitates also and then like when like dark vader does stop doing his thing his thing then she like uh, tries to attack him whereas like why didn't you just attack him when he was like doing like the force grab you know and that would have been a much better idea because then you didn't have to have the decoy ship the ship would have gotten away exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's such a better idea yeah you can't think too logically with <laughs> a lot of this stuff. 
Uh, also, you know, it makes you wonder if Darth Vader can do that, if he's that powerful, like, why didn't he do that kind of stuff before? You know, like when um, when Luke takes out the Death Star in episode four, like, don't you think Darth Vader could have done something like that? Just made Luke's X-Wing crash or something? Because if you can if you can make a whole space cruiser just freeze in outer space like man seems like he could have applied that elsewhere right but yeah it's just yeah logic goes out the window with a lot of stuff i think <laughs> i guess i guess it brings up a larger problem i guess with star wars in general um i guess just or force in star wars in general because the prequels are kind of guilty of this too where you know the the original trilogy it's very much about the sword fight and like force powers are very limited you know because back in you know it was made in the 70s and 80s and of course Mm -hmm. the first star wars had a much lower budget yeah and you just you have two old men just in you know a new hope just swinging a couple swords very slowly at each other with very minimal like fight choreography yeah, and then you go to you know Obi Wan Kenobi, and they're just throwing mountains at each other <laughs> right. with the Force, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Whereas, so I guess that's a problem with Star Wars in general, but I feel like it seems the most noticeable in Obi Wan, you know, yeah, with how yeah. over the top some of the Force powers are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially like I think it was in the OG series, Yoda was like. There, I think I think it was Yoda. There was a discussion like, "What's the Force?" And then, oh no, it was in the new movies. I think when um, Ray, she's like, "Isn't the Force like just picking up like rocks and stuff?" And then Luke's like, "That could be no like that's so wrong in every way." And here we here we are seeing Obi Wan like doing like Scarlet <laughs> Witch moves and just like. <laughs> Like picking up, yeah, like rocks with the force, and it's just like drawing them in anger and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, last little bit on Obi Wan. I I really agree with a lot what you mentioned, Christian, about how um, there are awesome moments in the show, but then the like, there's a lot of like not so awesome stuff too. Um, like, yeah, you know. Um, the, the, I thought the show started off really strong um, because it essentially poses the, poses the question, like, what did Obi-Wan Kenobi do between episodes three and four, right? And it's a pretty compelling question because he wasn't just, you know, camped out on Tatooine looking over Luke Skywalker. It presents this whole adventure he went on, right? And um, I was curious. I'm like, oh, wow, what did Obi-Wan do? You know, um, and uh, it was it was compelling storytelling, I think. Uh, but then I thought the show fell back on like a lot of old stuff that has been popular in the past. You know, going back to the well, Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. And like you're saying, Perfidio, like, you know, fun action scenes. But you know, at the end of the day, I kind of felt like, like, what was the point of all that? We we got to see Obi-Wan fight Darth Vader before multiple times. <laughs> you know, the two of them going at it, you know, when they're older and 
when they were quite young. So uh, here they go again. <laughs> and the whole thing really felt, I don't know, kind of unnecessary. The whole show kind of felt unnecessary to me. So on one hand, yes, fun and uh, kind of exciting at times. But yeah, just kind of got me feeling kind of empty at the end. Like I was like, well, I guess it was fun, but sort of pointless. You know, why did I watch yeah. that? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of, a, you know, a somewhat mediocre feeling at the end, I guess. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, what other shows uh, were notable to you? Any uh, any other favorites we want to call out here? Peacemaker. Yeah. There we go. Oh, great. <laughs> I was about to call that one out. Great show. <laughs> you want you want to start off, Christian, and then I'll yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Peacemaker. It's it's continuing off the Suicide Squad from 2021. James Gunn uh, helming the project uh, and stars John Cena's character of Peacemaker. Uh, and I think the show was so much fun. Probably my favorite like superhero show from this <laughs> year. And I thought it was like, it kind of continues that same humor from the Suicide Squad. Um, of course, with a lot of gore. As he's trying to stop this alien invasion from happening, kind of like a, a bit of a, like a body snatchers type scenario, and I think he, he teams up with his crew of like kind of no names and like leftovers from the Suicide Squad, and I thought like it kind of hit a lot of different notes where you have like these really wickedly dark, funny moments. You have. Um, some very heartfelt moments uh, where you see John Cena show a lot of range, especially the scenes that involve like the way with him and his dad, where his dad also kind of plays this like evil Nazi villain or, no, you know, Klansman villain. Um, and as well as, you know, some, some good action with plenty, plenty of gore. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, FYI, we did do a full Peacemaker recap episode earlier this year. I uh, recommend y'all check it out. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, you weren't on that particular episode, right, uh, Preferio? Yeah. Uh, may maybe you can give us uh, 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 your thoughts here. Yeah, I think Peacemaker was a film that I think I was just not expecting to be like, yeah, one of my favorites of the year. It was a total, like, like, where did this come from? Because I just remember, like, I just, it was, I think it came out in January. I was like, okay, like, you know, nothing ever comes out in January. So I was, um, and yeah, I was like, okay, I'll just watch this just for fuck's sake. And then, um, just the the opening credits alone with that whole dance sequence thing like right at the bat caught my caught my attention and i was interested i was like okay if this is the type of vibe this show gives off i think i'm gonna enjoy this and it was just fucking hilarious the show was just really great 
and um i i had a lot of fun watching it i wasn't the biggest fan of peacemaker in the movie but in the tv show he just really it was just really really fun right on yeah i agree this show is hilarious it is so funny um and i think it should be stated that this show like how it came to be is very interesting right because um james gunn doing the suicide squad should not have happened right because that really came as a result of him getting fired uh from guardians of the galaxy volume three uh so somehow he gets to do the suicide squad and then um it was only as a result of that that he ended up doing peacemaker um interestingly he still got to do guardians 3 but i'm telling you this show it really should not have happened you know and what a gift to us to us all that it did happen right uh so um wildly entertaining hilarious and um yeah just like a must see definitely um, on my list for one of the best shows of the year um so i don't think I don't think we can go into so much depth on everything. <laughs> so maybe we'll, we'll kind of pick up the pace a bit. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, we can continue with like, yeah, some of our, our picks are our favorites uh, in terms of shows. Uh, any other favorites we want to call out? Um, yeah, I guess I got another one. Um, go ahead. Let's see. This one, this, it, I guess it's not comic book related, but it is still, it's still fandom related. So I think this is my, I think, total favorite show of the year. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's looking back to what we loved last year. It's kind of similar to that. Um, okay, so the show is called Cyberpunk Edgerunners. It's mm. an anime, uh, an anime miniseries done by Studio Trigger. Studio Trigger, um, you, you probably know them, Henry from Star Wars Visions. Ah, uh, that's yes. what they did last year on Disney Plus, And this is their big project for 2022. Um, also a Western sci-fi property um, for cyber based on the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, which is a kind of a continuation from the tabletop Cyberpunk RPG. And cyberpunk in, in general is like really my big jam. So this kind of ticked a lot of big boxes for me. Um, going back to, I, I guess I'll, I'll have a little bit of a story. Going back to 2020, one of the big hot new releases um, that I was highly anticipating was cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it looked really, really cool. It was like this big open world uh, cyberpunk city, but the game on launch was a complete disaster. Uh, it ran so poorly on, <laughs> on just about any machine that people like were demanding refunds and mass for this game. It was like this big, big disaster at the end of 2020 because it came out it was supposed to be a big thing for the holidays, and like there were all these po uh, apologies issued 
from CD Projekt Red, the company, and they, like it pretty much killed all enthusiasm for the game. And people were saying it was like one of the worst games of the year. Um, and, you know, but they announced this anime and I was like kind of around the same time they were doing the game to like kind of help promote it later down the line. And because of that, I paid zero attention to it. Um, <laughs> until it came out and it was recommended to me and said, oh, you really do got to check this out. It's actually really good by a friend. And I ended up, yeah, I ended up really loving the show. Um, and I will also say, uh, adding on to that story, the show was so good and ended up being so beloved that it actually saved the game. People at, like, once the show hit, a lot of people ended up rebuying cyberpunk and it ended up wow. being for a while steam's highest played single player game it, um and like that is kind of because i guess the power of the show and and now like people i think think of cyberpunk much more fondly now because of this and it's the show itself is a very like it moves at an extremely like quick pace. It's 10 episodes. You kind of live in the world of night city where this takes place. And it's very, uh, it's very, it's a very hard R animated show. It actually reminded me, there are definitely some parts that felt a bit like uh, Akira in a way, mm. whether it's as good as Akira, uh, you know, time will tell Akira is an all time classic, but <laughs> I will say this was, I think for me, the big standout show of the year, especially like the biggest surprise of the year. Right on. Good call out. And that is available on Netflix, correct? Yes. It's a, it's actually like one of those Netflix exclusives. Right on. Okay. Um, okay. I'll, I'll throw out some picks and then get to my show of the year. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about like fandom, not fandom. Here's a couple of shows that are definitely not fandom shows, but I definitely wanted to call it out. Um, so there's a show called Severance that came out this year. Season mm. one Severance. Phenomenal. And it's almost like one of those shows that defies any kind of description. Um, it's just one of those. You just got to see it and, and find out. Um yeah, that's all I'll say about Severance. Highly recommend that. I also highly recommend Euphoria season two. Uh, this is mm. kind of a forgotten show, but yes, a 2022 release came out early in the year and I was completely blown away. Um, yeah, season one was great. Season two, maybe even better. Um, and for... For those who only know Zendaya from the MCU or maybe as like a Disney kid, uh, she is amazing in the show. Uh, there's one episode in particular in season two that um, she is just uh, jaw-droppingly awesome. Uh, so Euph Euphoria season two was, was like, I, I definitely want to call that out because uh, that was an early in the year release. And like I said, it's not fandom related, but man, I, I, I think that was the show where I just could not stop him, could not stop watching it more than any other, any other show this year. Um, just a few quick shots. Uh, Peacemaker we talked about. 
uh the boys season three came out this year we had an episode on the boys uh that was mm-hmm. uh, a big highlight uh paper girls season one came out this year excellent show we talked about andor that was among the best um Okay, let's get to uh, Marvel a bit. Um, She-Hulk season one was on my list of best shows of the year. And a bit of a plot twist here, but Werewolf by Night. This is technically a TV special, a one-off TV special. Uh, So we'll include it uh, here as a television show. And um, I'm making a bold statement and I'm calling it my show of the year. Um, Number one, I thought it was great. But number two, I'm making a statement that there's just too much content on TV now. Mm -hmm. So I want to see less. I want to see less, less episodes. And I I like um, uh, the fact that this is a one-off. I'd love to see more one-offs like this in the future. Um, it's a great homage to classic horror. Um, it's the MCU as we've never seen it. And um, it's a whole lot of fun. We get to see Werewolf by Night. We get to see Man-Thing. Um, some characters we've never seen uh, in a live action format before. So um, yeah, there, there was definitely a, a lot of excellent tv um but yeah making the bold statement saying uh werewolf werewolf by night was my favorite yeah definitely going off what you said henry like i love werewolf by night um i thought it was just a really like fun halloween segment that was just like yeah played an homage to you know the universal monsters era you know the black and white cinematography the um the kind of like goofy cheesy costumes that just works and the music and um yeah it was great to see yeah like um Gael Garcia's performance in that show um yep. Alyssa Bloodstone her character come to life man thing and it was just a lot of great fun I think it was one of the few Disney plus um stuff that i like waited till midnight for when it came out so i could watch Uh right on yeah um you go ahead christian oh um i also just wanted to i guess quickly say my thing about world by night that i also really loved it and that (laughs) i thought like it was like uh it, it was a really cool like homage to like the old films like the old universal horror films. And it mm-hmm. did really feel really fresh for the MCU, you know? I think like mm-hmm. kind of, I think within the runtime, what it was doing and like the characters that it brought felt like very disconnected, but still had a bit of that good MCU charm with characters like Elsa Bloodstone. I think I could definitely, I do want to see her come back, you know? Yeah, same. As yeah. well as as well as Man Thing, mm-hmm. sure. Some some shows I want to call out. I think that all have like major fandoms are um, Stranger Things season 
four, I think it was. Um, that came back in two parts on Netflix. That was really, really fun and awesome. I think because it's been like a few years since the previous season was out. So I definitely recommend that one. And then two medieval fantasy shows that I really enjoyed were um, Rings of Power, a Lord of the Rings um, fandom show on Amazon Prime, and House of Dragons, a Game of Thrones franchise show on HBO Max. And um, yeah, like Lord, Lord Rings of Power, I know wasn't that beloved within uh with for a lot of folks but i do recommend it i thought it was a lot of fun it talks about like it gives some nods to like the lord of the rings movies while maintaining its own storyline within middle earth um the effects are amazing the storyline is great the action scenes are great so i do recommend that one and house of dragon like I know we all had our reservations about Game of Thrones the final season. I know I definitely did. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to watch House of Dragons just because there's nothing else to watch. And thank God I did because that show made me um, remember why I loved the Game of Thrones franchise. Like, great action scenes. The music is phenomenal, like always. The storyline is just pure drama. You just like... It gets you into that mood of like, who's going to die? Who's going to kill who? Who's going to betray who? And um, I do. Yeah, that's another show I, I do recommend. Isn't it crazy? You know, a year later, how our perspectives have changed, right? Because I remember before uh, you know these shows dropped, it was your anticipation was like the reverse, right? Preferio, you were completely mm-hmm. uninterested in House of the Dragon. Meanwhile, really, really Rings of Power <laughs> was like maybe your most anticipated show of the year. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wild. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so it sounds like uh, Christian's show of the year is Cyberpunk Edge Runners. My show of the year is Werewolf by Night. Do you have a show of the year, Preferio? Oof. You know, probably my show of the year would have to be... Oof. I'm having, like, a tough time between my first two picks of either Peacemaker or Andor, but I probably would give it to Andor. Um, just because I think, like, just on, like, on a rewatchable level and recommendation level... I think I would enjoy Endor more. Um, but just a quick few more call-outs. Two shows that... Two Marvel shows that I kind of did not have any expectation for, but just I really loved, and we did podcasts on them, is Miss um, Marvel and She-Hulk. Like, those are just shows that I was just like... Based off the trailers I was watching, I was like... I didn't really care for them, but as watching the shows, I really fell in love with both of the the structure of both of those shows, and um, just the refreshness of telling these like MCU Disney Plus shows. You know, like I think one thing that I enjoyed about like you know like 
Loki and um, Wonder Vision was like it didn't fit that like MCU storyline of like action, action, action. This was more like let this room, let there be room for these storylines to breathe and then throw in some action. Um, like yeah, we talked more about these in podcasts or both episodes for our, for both TV shows, but those were yeah two other of my favorites this year. Excellent, excellent, good call outs. Um, yeah, you know what just crossed my mind? We talked about how slow is not necessarily bad. Um, short is not necessarily bad either my last little nugget on werewolf by night that is a one-off uh one hour tv special right and i thought it was great you know and for something to be great it doesn't have to be a three-hour movie it doesn't have to be a 10 episode season right it can be a a one hour special (laughs) it's okay (laughs) short can be awesome um, so again, just echoing my sentiment that uh, there's a lot of content out there. There doesn't have to be so much quality. Let's have some quality, quality over quantity. Why not? <laughs> uh, so we talked about the best. Um, let's get into the worst. We talked a little bit about some of the worst, but uh, let's go a little deeper. Yeah. What were the worst shows of the year um i already mentioned book of boba fett we all kind of chimed in on that that is my worst show of the year um i want to add to uh that um i was highly disappointed in the moon knight show we did an episode on moon knight and uh, we talked about this quite a bit but um definitely not my worst of the year but um one of the biggest disappointments for me, Moon Knight season one. Um, I definitely want to um, continue to see the further adventures of Moon Knight in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but um, I have to be honest in that uh, I thought the season one was pretty lackluster. Yeah. Um, so that's on my list as well. How about you guys? What are some of your guys' picks for worst TV of the year? Hmm. Well, I guess uh, we were talking about this a little bit before. I guess, um, so I guess the disclaimer is that I've only really seen the first episode of this. Um, and then I kind of want, and then I kind of um, like kind of kept up with it and saw like clips, bits. Um, but I think like, the show ended up being super hated, so I think it's okay if I say this. Um, uh, the show is Halo, another video game show. Uh, a show based on a video game. A video game that uh, I had a great experience with, which is Halo. A video game series that I've, I, I've adored and loved. Uh, which is a weird flip side from Cyberpunk, which was, on release was pretty hated. Um and going into that, I think there was a lot. This is like I think this is a show that we had a lot of hype for going in, going back to our um, upcoming episode at the beginning of the year. 
And uh, I think it's just like, it felt like a bit too much of a departure from Halo. Uh, I think it focused a lot too much, uh, you know, it felt like it went too much into its own direction. And I think the great story of Halo was just like, you kind of wonder why I couldn't tell the story from the games or at least like the books, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and how it's like Master Chief stranded on Halo with Cortana that he can kind of go back and forth as they try to solve the mission. You have some other Marine, you know, Marines in there for him to bounce off of you uh, like Mandalorian kind of showed that you didn't need to have the main character take his helmet off in order for him to be compelling. Uh, and Mando and Grogu even kind of fits in a similar way to uh, Chief and Cortana. Although Cortana is, you know, you know, speaks and has a much different personality than Grogu. But, you know, you, you kind of, I feel like it's there, but it seemed like they kind of went into a bit too much of its own direction uh, with a love interest character that it focused on, who was um, ahead of the Covenant. There was one scene I talked about that just weirded me the fuck out, that I was like, what the fuck? Fuck this show was the one uh, Master Chief or or his love interest is caught in prison. Master Chief, you know, meets with her and, you know, they totally start having sex and you, get, you see Master Chief's ass. A character of the games, so you didn't even see his face. And this one, they show both, you know, both both cheeks and, and Cortana like watches. And I'm watching this, this just scene play out because it was such a memed scene on the internet. And it was like something that like, as I was like trying to keep up with the show, people were just talking about how much they hate it. And it's like, what is this? What are you doing? Oh my god, my beloved game franchise. <laughs> what? What? They think this is a good idea. Why is this? This is a Halo. Yeah, that sounds like it goes right along with with what we were talking about earlier. Things that you really didn't have to see, right? <laughs> You didn't have to see these things from your beloved characters. Exactly. Yeah. It's like seeing <laughs> Boba Fett in his underwear. Like, yeah. you know, no one that, asked like, for it. We don't exactly. need this. Another character you, whose face you didn't see, you know, it's kind of like Mando <laughs> set the, like, kind of showed what to do with these yeah. kinds of characters and Book of Boba Fett and Halo, two characters very similar that just kind of went way too off the rails into weird directions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, Christian, I'm not gonna, cause yeah, I finished the show. I'm not gonna like defend it or anything, but I will say like there are some parts to the show that was pretty cool. Like there is like some cool scenes where you see like stuff from Master Chief's point of view, and it gives you that video game feel, you know, where he's just like shooting, 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 and like low um, armor shield. And then, like, going to find a new gun and, like, meleeing um, elites and grunts. Um, but is it the movie, the TV show you want? No, it's not. But there are some cool uh, homages to the video game franchise, I will say. That is fair. I did see some action I thought was really, really cool. I don't know if that's going to convince you enough to finish no, it. No, but... I'm never going to finish it. But <laughs> I will say, I have seen you know, some of the action, as well as the, the very first scene, is like the Covenant, uh -huh. like 
coming onto a planet and killing all these people. I was like, whoa, holy crap. That's, you know, that, that's the part that kind of hooked me, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so then, uh, Christian, are you saying Halo is your pick for worst of the year? Probably. Yeah, I completely dropped it. So I guess take that with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, I'll go with Halo. Got it. Uh, how about you, Preferio? Do you have a pick for worst show of the year? I mean, right now, at the top of my head, it's definitely Boba Fett. But yeah, I just can't think of any other show that comes to mind where it's like, oh, God, this this is bad. And I still kept watching. Um, I don't know. Henry, what about you? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I listed Book of Boba Fett as my definitive worst. Worst um, Moon Knight was definitely a disappointment. Um, I had mentioned this before, but Miss Marvel, I wasn't too hot on. Uh, I think that was on my list of worst of the year, also. Um, but uh, certainly had. I, I mean, I, I I definitely don't hate that show. You know, I think there's a lot of positives from it. Um, and like Moon Knight, I do look forward to seeing more of Kamala Khan in the MCU. Okay. Uh, any other comments on TV in 2022? You know, like I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I I don't want to because this sh- the show I didn't finish it. So I won't say it's good or bad, but I just want to say really fast and give like homage that this year was the final season of Walking Dead. Mm. And, you know, that's like a franchise that, you know, me and Henry, we both love, but we fell off a long time ago. And um, I just want to give a quick shout out to that franchise and what it meant to us like in its early seasons and now to finally like end i don't know after how many i don't know how many seasons it ended with but um it was definitely a show that uh i just feel like needs to be like like we need to just say like a quick homage to since it ended this year yeah yeah that's a great call out the walking dead was my favorite show for quite some time um and uh it had a big impact on me and um yeah like uh it's it's kind of sad that it's it's it has ended now but you know the whole the whole thing makes me think of uh how maybe shows uh can go on for too long (laughs) i I did (laughs) i definitely feel this way (laughs) with the walking dead where it just was on for too long um and uh that we aren't alone Perverio. a lot of other walking dead walking dead fans dropped off uh quite some time ago and um that can happen you know that can happen things can linger on too long um so uh yeah you know a, a lot of times when shows end or certain people quit their shows you wonder like what are you doing but you know 
uh, a lot of times it makes sense because you don't want to wear out your welcome, right? So I think uh, that might be a good way to categorize uh, that particular show. Okay. Uh, I think we can move on to movies now. Yeah. Let's do mm-hmm. it. 2022. A lot of movies came out. And we certainly saw a lot of them. Do we have some picks for favorite movies of the year? Yeah, I'll start. Um, and I'll just keep going with this uh, DC hype train. The Batman. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, man. With uh, Batson, I think, like, also, like, DC has messed up a lot of their movies, a lot of their franchises, but hey, they always come come through with a good Batman movie. And I wasn't, I think, with, uh, we talked about this quote a lot in our Batman episode uh, when the movie dropped, but I just want to, like, I guess emphasize, I think, how much, I think this has become one of my, like, top personal favorite, like, comic book movies. I think it really is a Batman for the 2020s. And I think the way it uses mood, the way it uses the lighting, it makes Gotham feel so lived in and rich and how it really captures the essence of Batman in its own way. And it's something that I'm really like excited to see what's next for it. Where do they go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. I, I I highly enjoyed this movie as well. Any thoughts for you on the Batman? Yeah, like I yeah I you know we shared our thoughts on the podcast, so I just want to say like really fast. Yeah, like it was definitely a movie one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, was it the only DC film that came out this year? There was oh. there was one more. I guess we could talk about it in a bit, or actually a few a couple more, but. This is like the big one. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, like it was, it wasn't so much like superhero and cliche, I guess, or campy. That's the word I'm looking for, like the Marvel films. But it wasn't like too realistic. Like, I guess, like the Nolan films, it would just, it felt like the right balance between the two. And because, you know, you get the whole detective side of, Bruce Wayne and Robert Patterson, yeah, just killed it as um, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like, and the Riddler villain was just also great. So, definitely one of my favorites also of the year. I like that point you alluded to, Perfurio. This is not a Marvel movie, and um, it doesn't try to be a Marvel Marvel movie. This is a Batman movie. This is a. This is you know, pun intended, the Batman movie, right? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like uh, the whole debacle that happened with the Justice League movie, um, it just stank of DC trying to be Marvel, right? They were trying to do the team up and um, they got Joss Whedon who did the vendors and like the whole thing stank of like, oh, let's just do what Marvel's doing. And it just turned into this crazy, like Frankenstein's monster of a movie. Um, but 
you know, with this movie, you can see what can happen when you're not trying to copy someone else. When you're not trying to be Marvel, right? You're just doing your thing. And um, uh, it was uh, very refreshing. You know, this is... I I remember watching this movie with you guys and we had just seen Spider-Man No Way Home like not long before, right? Just like a couple months before. And uh, I was just feeling so good, you know, because we had just seen an amazing Spider-Man movie and here we were watching an amazing Batman movie. And I'm like, this is the world I want to live in. (laughs) A world where we get completely awesome spider-man and batman movies this is this is heaven right and um and and you can't think of two more different movies right how, how cool is that very cool mm-hmm. okay um what else i think there are a lot of other good movies that came out this year uh mm-hmm. any picks for us uh Perfrio? yeah two movies i want to call out where i was totally rooting for the quote unquote villain was Doctor Strange 2 and Black Panther 2. Mm-hmm. You know, we had podcasts on both of those. And on both of those podcasts, I said I was reading for the villain, Scarlet Witch and Neymar. Like I was totally like, um, you know, I see where they're coming from. So I definitely root for them. And those are definitely two of my favorite uh MCU films of the year. Right on. Yeah. Um, I definitely had some issues with both movies, but ultimately I did enjoy both. Um, I think with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in particular, um, I had a really good time at the movie theater with you all. Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a fun movie. It's, uh, it's, it's really bonkers and it's a visual delight. Um, a lot of fun and it kept the, uh, uh, it kept the Marvel multiverse train going. Yeah. Uh, so the Marvel multiverse had a lot of momentum from last year, uh, with Spider-Man in particular, but, um, yeah, that whole multiverse train kept going. Interestingly, though, um, one could argue that uh, Dr. Strange was not the best multiverse movie to come out this year. There's a little movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which is inexplicably also a multiverse movie in a very different way. uh, but this is a uh, this is something else, man. I, I saw this a few months ago, and I was pretty blown away. Um, it's hard to describe this movie. It's kind of a kung fu sci-fi family drama all at once. <laughs> um, but um, I know you had some pretty strong thoughts on this one. Yeah, prefer you maybe you can talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I saw this movie when it first came out because I just heard like a bunch of buzz um, being told like this movie is so awesome and I watched that movie like 
completely blind. All I heard was just like, I need to watch it. I didn't know what the music was about. I didn't watch a trailer. I went in it completely blind and I fucking loved it. I didn't know that there was yeah, like a multiverse storyline or who was I didn't even know who was in it, to be honest. Mm. And like it was just fucking awesome. That right there is my movie of the year. Like I enjoyed it a lot. And it got nominated for best comedy of the year next year for the Golden Globes, and I think it absolutely deserves it. Yeah, like definitely agree. Like, I feel like this might be—I don't know—it's if it's, it's hard to say. I feel like Batman might be the movie of the year for me. It's probably the one I'm going to rewatch the most. But uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is probably like the best movie I've seen this year. I think uh, I feel like it really does take that multiverse concept to like to its full potential, and it the movie really lives up to the name "Everything Everywhere All at Once." Like mm-hmm. I found the movie to be it, it's almost like I, I found it to be like a little overwhelming at times mm-hmm. with everything I was seeing, and I remember feeling so exhausted by the end of the movie because it was everything everywhere all at once and it just takes you on such a journey like a multiversal journey even though if you think about like a lot of times the location it really just stays in one building it just stays in that like irs building for the entire movie right while also going into so many different universes and how they like they'll say like show uh there's a part where the main uh Character, Michelle Yeoh's character says mixes up ratatouille uh, with a raccoon and then you <laughs> see that that's actually its own universe and it really shows like yeah. the idea of what like infinite possibilities could be it's like it's like the little most original movies I feel like I've seen in a while for sure yeah for sure. yeah yeah I just I just yeah like I just love I think like the whole like uh, discussion around um you know like <laughs> i use this term a lot i don't know if you guys have ever used it um intergenerational trauma you know mm. about like that like pressure of like coming from like an immigrant household you know and just that pressure of like living up to be the perfect child for a parent you know like you know, obviously we're told from like a young age, like parents want what's the best from us, the best for us. Um, but then that's like, I don't know, as you grow up, I feel like that's a lot to live up to, you know. And this film like discusses that pressure and that stress really well that I, I, I don't know, I just loved it so much. And I yeah, cried watching it. It was, it was really beautiful and um entertaining in the best possible ways right on yes agreed great great movie um all right so we got some top picks the batman everything everywhere all at once and uh, my pick for movie of the year it is the Predator sequel, Prey. This came out uh, this year as well. And man, you know, we were talking about original concepts and 
kind of refreshing takes on things. I mean, I can't think of a more original concept. I mean, this is a Predator sequel, but it's a Predator movie like we have never seen before. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's like. I mean, it's so refreshing. It has like an all Native American cast. Uh, the lead Amber Midthunder, who plays Naru, is phenomenal in this movie. Um, and like, yeah, it works on so many levels because, um, you know, we've talking about uh, some shows and movies are fandom and some are. This is a fandom movie. This is a it, it is in uh, uh, the, the, the series of Predator movies. Uh, so it is part of Predator fandom, but man, it 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 doesn't feel like it. It's kind of like what we've been talking about with Andor, how Andor is a Star Wars show, but it kind of doesn't feel like a Star Wars show. And the whole time we're just wrapped up in it and we're just loving it. And um, yeah, really cool. Um, again, it's 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 hard to describe. It's one of those movies you just you got to go see. Um and uh, yeah, it, it kind of plays upon um, just what natives, Native Americans have gone through in this country, but at the same time delivering like a, a wildly entertaining action adventure movie with some pretty awesome predator action. Like, um, yes, it's very different from other predator movies, but um, if you're a, fran- a fan of Predator movies, you're still going to get what you want. You get some awesome Predator action in it. So uh, works mm-hmm. on so many levels. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on Prey? Yeah, I also really, really like Prey. It's definitely you, one of my well, favorites sure. of the year. I'm low-key surprised you watched it. Yeah, like I usually <laughs> do horror, but I've always liked Predator, uh, like Predator and okay. Alien movies. And this definitely is the best Predator sequel. I'll say that. Yeah. I think it does a really great job of harkening back to the feel of the original Predator. And like, I think the downscaling, the technology, the way it goes back to the, like, like, you know, focuses on like a Native American tribe and like the 1700s, like makes everything like it, it ups the tension because you in the first movie, Predator, you see how they have such a hard time taking out the Predator with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers, like big like guys with like really, really big muscles and lots and lots of guns, and how the Predator like just pretty much eats through all of that. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is like the only man surviving, and he has to use his wits. And like, ju- like tactics in the jungle in order to defeat the predator, and I feel like this really harkens back to that in the American West, with uh, where they don't have any guns, or like the guns that the um, there's like some trappers that show up that do have guns, but they don't really know how to use them, and how our our main character is yeah, like. You know, she's this girl who's like very, very inexperienced. And we see that in the beginning of the movie and how she has uh, a lot of problems uh, hunting a lion and can't do it. But she's uh, very clever and she knows how to make uh, she has this really cool like 
uh, axe on a rope that she throws. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see her kind of build up those skills over the course of the movie to defeat the Predator. And so, like, I thought it, like, kind of captured that really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I thought the film was really cool for yeah having like an all indigenous cast and the action scenes were just really really great um you know Henry you talk about this quality over quantity and like it is kind of a slow movie but it just has like a lot of room to like breathe and create great like character and story development that just like pays off to like good action scenes towards the end and um and even yeah just the landscape shots are phenomenal so yeah good pick right on okay uh so we talked about the best how about the worst were there bad movies that came out this year any picks for a worst hmm well, all right. There, there's a. I feel like the in, in the superhero world, there, there definitely is a definitive worst of the year, uh, and that's Morbius, the the big meme of the year, mm-hmm. the one that made one more billion dollars. The big meme, the pretty much like the movie that was so bad it became a meme. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess like I think I pretty much gave it a very hard one in our review of it. It's kind of pretty much the worst of the Sony movies that have come out. Sony Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. It does everything. It feels like the dollar store MCU. Yep. MCU at home in order to capture another meme. Um, and I will I will say, though, I, I, I do find the memes pretty funny. I, d- I did have a, a very good chuckle at, at a lot of them if that makes it better like what surrounds the movie is a lot better than what's in the movie hey you know um i didn't really participate in the morbius recap episode because i hadn't seen it at the time but i have sense so maybe i'll throw in my two cents now um not gonna say that morbius is a good movie by any means. <laughs> um, but I had the luxury of watching it at home on Netflix for free. Um, so maybe that took the sting out of it a little bit because, um, you know, I thought there were some uh, worthwhile qualities. Uh, I, you know, I kind of I kind of dug the the smoke trail effects in it, you know, um yeah if overall overall the action wasn't great but i thought some of the effects were were kind of cool you know i had such low expectations for this one <laughs> that i wasn't expecting anything so um you know i i i mildly enjoyed parts of it um yeah that said not a great flick um definitely on my list for among the worst i don't think it was the worst um but among the worst i'll say that yeah for me uh none of these movies i'm gonna say are the worst but some i guess like 
disappointment for me where like mm-hmm. um the the revival from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new Hellraiser film on Hulu, um, Halloween ends, mm. but like yeah, some other other major disappointing films that are franchise films were like Avatar two, Jurassic World three, Fantastic Beasts three, um, yeah, I was pretty let down by those ones. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, do you have a definitive worst of the year? Yeah, Thor four. Oh, Thor yeah. Love and Thunder. <laughs> I was okay. Like, yeah, going. Yeah, you know, I think. Yeah, we did a whole podcast on that, and I forget. I forget that we did a podcast on it. But going into it, I didn't care for it. Um, there were just so many things wrong with it. And yeah, I just did not enjoy it. And it was very dis- disappointment because Taiki um, Watiki, he did phenomenal in Thor 3. And this was just a huge letdown. I would... I know you guys don't like Thor 2, but I would watch Thor 2 again any day of the week over Thor 4. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, Thor 4 is just horrible for me. Like, those fucking screaming goats and (laughs) the every every, every kid getting, like, Thor's hammer. And, oh, my gosh, it was, there were just so many bad things with that movie. Yeah, uh, I think I really want to echo that, Perfirio. I think I think uh, <laughs> I think you're really right. This probably is like I think the biggest disappointment of the year because I loved Thor Ragnarok so much, and it's like, oh man, it's you know we're we're gonna get more Ragnarok, but it's like uh, I think a little too much. You know, it kind of goes way too far into that. And I think the I think I was a little more positive uh, on our in our episode i i haven't really gone back and listened to it but i think my my i think i gave it a two out of five but the movie's gotten a lot worse over time the longer it's sat with me so i think now it's like i want to i want to erase that and give it a one because just like the jokes kind of get you know they get lamer as long as you sit with it um like there's a, a there's a video that came out where like um it was like they were doing it for Vanity Fair. It was like Taika Waititi. I think Tessa Thompson might have also made an appearance in it. Uh, that they're they kind of like they're talking about a scene and they kind of just like make like a, a few backhand comments on like the visual effects of it and how it's like ah oh, that looks pretty unfinished and it's like a completed scene. And then there was kind of like a, a leaked memo that came out that like they were like way overworking their visual effects staff mm. on the, on um, this is a lot of Marvel movies, you know, just, it was kind of more in general, but I think like the kind of that, and like, it kind of leaves like a bit more of a bad taste in your mouth with, with this movie in particular. Um, mm-hmm. It just didn't really seem like the heart was really there the same way that it was in Thor Ragnarok, you know? So yeah, that's, that, that was also on my worst of the year list. All right. 
Yeah, furthering on that, uh, Thor Love and Thunder was on my worst of the year list also. In fact, like Perfurio, this is my worst movie of the year. Um, yeah, I, I, it cannot be overstated that this movie was a huge disappointment. I remember when we reviewed it right after we saw it, um, the sentiment really was how could this movie miss? You know, it's it's got Taika Waititi at the helm again. Pretty much the same cast as Thor Ragnarok. How can this go wrong? And it really went wrong in so many ways. Um, um, but over anything was the fact that it just wasn't funny. It was not funny. I barely <laughs> laughed at this movie and I couldn't believe it because Thor Ragnarok is hilarious. Um, and again, I'm just kind of rehashing what we talked about in that episode, but I want to add this too. So on top of all of that, like it's, it's just crazy that the same people who made Thor Ragnarok made this piece of shit, but I want to add, too, that Taika Waititi has done a lot of awesome shit in his career, not just Thor Ragnarok. I mean, we're talking Hunt for the Wilder People and Jojo Rabbit. Great movies. Um, Our Flag Means Death and What We Do in the Shadows. Like this guy has a great track record. And like I have a lot of trust in his brand of humor, you know, um, and uh, his uh, ability to tell great stories. Um, but it was just all lacking here. Like, I, I don't know what happened. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, sh- shockingly bad, really. Yeah, just a, a big disappointment for sure. Henry, yeah. let me ask you really fast. Let me ask you, which was more disappointing, this one or Eternals? Okay. Oh, that's a great question because, um, you know, I have a lot of hatred for the Eternals movie. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. But your specific question, what is more disappointing? I think I'd have to say Thor Love and Thunder because of everything I just mentioned. I was expecting a really good movie with Eternals. I was kind of like, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, It was really bad, um, but I didn't have... Uh, big expectations um so specific to your question i would have to say thor is the more disappointing of the two if you can believe that (laughs) okay uh so in uh wrapping up here let's just uh talk about uh 2022 overall um any general thoughts um personally i think there was a lot of quantity over quality this year with shows and movies. Um, there was a lot of stuff and yes, some of it was, was pretty good. Um, a lot of it wasn't though. So um, yeah, I think quality was a bit lacking uh, for, for a lot of this year. Um, any general thoughts on uh, the year that was from you guys? Yeah, I think for oh, go, oh, go ahead, Christian. No, go for it, Perfuria. 
Okay, I think for me, I enjoyed a lot of TV stuff more than the movies. Um, yeah, like, you know, for the movies, it was just, like, a lot of, like, you know, disappointing stuff, like, very recently, like, yeah, like, Avatar 2. But for TV shows, I just felt like there's some pretty good content out there. Um, and, yeah. I think that's all I want to say. Like this year, it was, I think, like Henry, you said this before, nothing that stood out strongly in terms of both TV shows and movies, but it was, a, I felt more, I have a more lukewarm uh, response slash feeling to like the TV shows as opposed to the movies this year. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so I think my thoughts, so I guess I'll keep it very, like, comic book, comic book media based. So um, I guess, like, quantity over quality is definitely how I describe, like, Marvel this year specifically. Um, it felt like there was always something in the MCU happening at any point in time. And I th think, like, it's definitely when I was, like, I feel like Thor Love and Thunder specifically is, like, part of when I think, like, that fatigue hit you know because it was i'd always felt like we were there there were lots of pro like disney plus stuff always kind of going in as well as like you know we had we had a, our three movies on top of that and like i think when like the stuff kind of like there was a lot of stuff i was a little more meh on i think that we had talked about um, and I think when I look back at like a lot of what I've said over the years or about um, things like Moon Knight, like I, I think I liked it, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, but it's still like, eh, it was all right. Um, I wasn't as big. I wasn't I, as big on She-Hulk as you guys were. And but I, I think that it was it felt like it was like too much. And if it, like I think even. Marvel, Kevin Feige, somewhere, I, I feel like I've read this on the internet, that Phase 5, they do want to strip back the quantity and focus a little more on quality. But uh, on the DC side, I feel like so far in this episode, we've talked about like Peacemaker, the Batman, being like some of the best comic book stuff we've seen this year. Yet DC was also a bit of a, a wildfire this year with everything that's been going on behind the scenes. Uh, many of their projects just got delayed. So we didn't really get yeah. the quantity from them because they either delayed it or outright canceled it. Like, like Batgirl, there was a big company shift with the, uh, the big buyout with Discovery. And mm -hmm. it seems like they're just doing scorched earth on everything now. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more positive about it, but it felt like for a while I was like, God, what are they doing? Oh my God, this is a horrible, like... It, you just kind of, it felt like you were seeing all the mismanagement come to the forefront, even if it's like something you've already seen with DC for years, but I feel like it really exploded this year. So while there was some great stuff, it was so wild. And so it's like, I feel like I'm, gonna, I'm feeling a lot differently on these two than how I did at the beginning of the year. But I will say, like, I feel like I've said this um, last year, uh, and while I was talking a bit about this in, uh, when I was talking about cyberpunk is that uh, anime and Shonen Jump is actually, I think, at some of its best this year. 
I think that it, this is like in terms of comic book media, this is really where it's at. I think there was a lot of really great stuff that came out this year. And we might go to this when we do a more the comic centric one, because I, I picked up a bit of manga, but it's been going through a huge shift in the last year. Um, and there's been stuff that's been kind of reaching a much more worldwide stage. We saw it with Steven Slayer Mugen Train last year. And I think a lot of that's continued mm-hmm. with a lot of big box office success um, mm-hmm. for an anime that unseated or a manga that unseated One Piece as the top manga because Shonen Jump has viewers call it or write in what they, their favorites are and they rank them, um, which is a little different, which is very different from how Marvel and DC do, do it. Um, the one I'm talking about is Jujutsu Kaisen, which released a big movie this year. That was a massive, bo- that was maybe not a massive box office hit. It's pretty limited. Those are usually more limited release, but these releases are getting wider and they're bringing in a lot more of um, a general crowd. Another big one was that I really loved uh, was the Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Uh, odd name, but you know, pretty solid movie as well. And there were a lot of great anime series this year. And I feel like I was saying like, this is like, this is picked like it had the best year it's ever had in 2021 and it topped it in 2022. And I feel like it's really becoming Shonen Jump is kind of becoming this big worldwide tour de force, whether or not it, it reached the same heights uh, commercially here in the U S as DC and Marvel. That's hard to say, especially on the movie front. But I feel like with, with the way I've, I think I've decided I've been feeling about DC and Marvel this year, although DC, I think with James Gunn taking over, I'm a little more optimistic. But I feel like this is, it's almost like this is where my attention is, is turning a bit more towards mm-hmm. in the last year as like the big like comic book outlet, you know. Those are my thoughts. It's been it's been probably a really strange year for comic book movies and comic books in general. And uh, we'll probably get more into that uh, in a later episode when we talk about the comics of this year. Yeah, a lot of great call outs there, Christian. I do agree that with the MCU, it was kind of a microcosm of the whole year. There was a lot of quantity and a little lacking in quality. Yeah, I, I'll admit it, man. Um, I am a Marvel super fan, and I will be the first to admit that this year was a disappointment for the MCU. You know, I think um, I was feeling it a little bit last year, um, a little bit of marvel studios bloat um but the year ended so strong you know uh like with the the hawkeye series and spider-man no way home um i was just feeling so good that i i didn't really feel like the quantity was lacking but i think it all kind of caught up this year where uh there was a lot of mcu content and um i was disappointed in quite a bit of it yeah um you know it's funny uh looking back on uh, my most anticipated stuff of this year um 
I had listed Moon Knight as my most anticipated show. As I've stated, that was a big disappointment for me. And I had listed as my most anticipated movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And that didn't come out this year. It's been delayed. <laughs> so um, there you have it. I mean, that that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. A lot of Marvel disappointment on my end. Um, we should talk about this a little bit more too. The, the DC Universe shakeup. Yeah. So there was already a big shakeup with like Batgirl getting canceled and all the changes with the streaming services. Um, but then more recently, there were, there were some like real big goings-ons, right? With um, all the stuff that James Gunn is doing. Um, interestingly, like you mentioned, Christian, um, it hasn't led to like, disappointment right because uh if anything dc has kind of done the opposite they've had the quality with less quantity right i mean in a year where we got the peacemaker series and the batman movie it's hard to be too disappointed in dc content um but i think there's a big question mark about what lies ahead right um yeah you have any thoughts on this preferio the henry Cavill walking away from the Superman role, James Gunn taking over. What are your thoughts there? <laughs> um, yeah, like that's just, it's a big fucking mess, you know, go, what's going on at um, DC. Like, yeah, like you have like projects being canceled or being delayed like this year, I think, I think, yeah, like Christian, you had you had alluded to it earlier that like both um, Aquaman two and Flashpoint Paradox and um, and uh, obviously uh, Shazam were supposed to come out this year, but they all got delayed. And with James Gunn taking over as head of DC Studios. Um, you can see that he's just making like these like grand like changes with like the the release content um and a lot of it's like yeah like huge changes like henry cavell like leaving as superman and wonder woman 3 being put on hold and um so it's kind of hard to see if these like changes are gonna pay off later on. Like right now we're just seeing like the, like, I guess like being told like, you know, like being told as like as a kid, like getting the candy taken away and being like, no, no, no. But then let's see if like later on that's like good for us. Like, like you know, just realizing if all these changes are gonna be beneficial and enjoyable in the long run so James Gunn you know we've seen his work in Guardians of the Galaxy and the Suicide Squad so um, and Peacemaker so um, I think there's a lot of trust in his vision um, but that trust is like really hard to do at the moment that's all I could say yeah I wonder too, you know, like James Gunn 
is an amazing filmmaker. Um, but can he run a movie studio? It <laughs> seems to be a slightly different skill set. Yeah. It's like Kevin Feige has not directed a movie before, but he can run the hell out of that Marvel Studios, right? Um, mm. Yeah, it remains to be seen uh, how effective James Gunn is as a you know a studio chief uh we'll see you know it, it's it's hard to deny his track record so far so got to be optimistic but uh, certainly a lot of question marks um any final thoughts on on uh the dc universe christian yeah um well i guess now might be i guess the time to i guess say what my thoughts are on black adam because I guess it wasn't really a movie that like I would put on my best or worst year uh, of the year. Um, and I think it's kind of uh, one of the last movies we'll see of this era of DC. And then I guess at this point, even though they're coming out, who knows if we're really going to see Flash and Aquaman. You know, I think yeah. there's probably no enthusiasm for those going forward. But and I think there, there wasn't as much for, for Black Adam as well although i think there i think there was a lot of big word of mouth it was like one of the biggest um uh, like rotten tomatoes like you know disparities between what the critics thought and the fans thought where critics hated it it was like 30 percent or whatever and fans listed it as 90 and so it actually was like kind of carried by word of mouth and when i watched it i feel like it's a very like uh, it's an, it, I feel like it's an okay movie. It has some parts that I really liked in the middle when I think they bring in the Justice Society and there's a really good conflict they have with Black Adam and how there's like you have this um, society of superhero, you know, superhero team that kind of almost feels like a bit of a Team America World Police where they're really just there because Amanda Waller, your U.S. government agent type um, pretty much only sending them there to defend American interests because black Adam is so strong and, uh, and they don't really know what to do with that power. So they want to, you know, they want to control it and take him out. And whereas they kind of get there and they say, Hey, we're superheroes. We're here to save you. And the people don't react well to that. And they think, well, where were you here when our city was being kind of ravaged? all these terrorists over over the many many years why are you just here now that we have a mm -hmm. savior and how there are two different ends of kind of you know of this plot i think that's where the movie works the best and the, the middle is where i really liked it the beginning the end not so great i think the ending just kind of devolves into a dumb cgi fight where they with a villain you really didn't see before that you don't care about at all um there was some cheesy dialogue of course with the Rock always having to tell us that he wasn't a hero many, many times throughout the film. Uh, and the rest was uh, very, very okay. So, eh. I can't fully say that I recommend it, but it was, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> I think if, you're, if you've been interested, invested in the DC and, and the universe at this point, probably worth it to check it out and see for yourself. Especially because um, I, I did enjoy that final end credit scene. Mm. And now that we know that Henry Cavill will no longer play Superman, 
how do we feel about uh, his last appearance as Superman? I think it's so quick that, um, but it gave me, you know, goosebumps and it's like a, a lot of hype. Where it's like, yeah, he's back. Even though he's kind of been done dirty in the role, you know, by, mm-hmm. by you know, Man of Steel and Justice League and BVS. I think I really liked him as Superman. I think Henry Cavill's a great actor and he always puts a lot of passion into these kinds of roles. And so I think I've always wanted to see him really like shine as Superman, be the Superman we know as love. And so I think there was a lot of promise with that. So I was really excited when I saw it. But, yeah, you know, I think with them wiping the slate clean, maybe it's for the best. Gotcha. Yeah, I... I kind of had had a similar thought when I heard that Cavill is finally done with the role that, you know, he's a good actor who could have been really good as Superman, but just never really got the chance to do it. You know, like he played Superman a lot, but a lot of it was pretty bad. I mean, looking back, maybe, maybe the best way to see him as Superman was in um, the Snyder cut of Justice League. Um, but even then, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, I just had this feeling that we just, he never, he never got, he never got the right project to really fly, literally fly as Superman. I don't know. What, what do you think, Perfurio? What, what are your thoughts on, on Henry Cavill and, his exiting of the role? I think, I don't know. Like, I just felt like he was, he has, he's been done dirty since like Man of Steel, to be honest. You know, like, I feel like Zack Snyder had like this perfect vision of what he wanted to do with the DC Universe and what he wanted to do with Henry Cavill as Superman. And then Batman versus Superman was just like a shit show of like DC Studios and Snyder could like trying to like do what um, create like this like project of including like Wonder Woman and Batman and Doomsday. It was just a lot going on that yeah. there was not much emphasis on um, Henry's. Um, Superman and then Justice League you know that's when it just really started going downhill because um, Henry left the DC Studios um, projects but you know the Snyder Cut later on we found out like that Snyder you know had this vision for him and you know because we see that in the post credit scene and I think that was really awesome what was planned you know so I just feel like I think yeah like Christian said like it's better probably for him to be cut right now than being like thrown in like this like mess that DC Universe is in you know and try to see where he fits in this new um, quote unquote like uh, restart of the DC franchise because yeah but I just feel like he was just never given the proper uh, chance to be the Superman that 
I think Snyder had envisioned. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty popular sentiment that uh, uh, it is never, it never really came to fruition. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's there's certainly a a, a feeling of disappointment, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So the future is wide open for the DC universe. Should be pretty exciting to see what happens. You know, I'm certainly curious. Um, so we'll see. And speaking of looking ahead, we will, as we always do, a look ahead to 2023. We'll talk about uh, our most anticipated shows and movies of the year yeah that's always fun to kind of compare (laughs) especially this year man like what we were anticipating for 2022 uh it all turned out a lot different (laughs) than we thought yeah Uh, like some of the stuff we talked about today man uh like we were we were talking about how this year could be like a big year for video game adaptations and um that really didn't come right i mean we're talking about the disappointment of halo and um yeah it it really wasn't like the big video adaptation year that we thought it might be a lot of disappointments that we've uh already spoke about um but that's part of the fun right you know you never know what's in store and with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry Christian and Perfirio.